This is the Do It Scared podcast with Ruth Sukup, episode number 26. On today's episode, we are going to talk with expert copywriter and thought leader Laura Belgray about learning how to write your own story. Welcome to the Do It Scared podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Sukup, and each week on the show, we will talk about how to face your fears, overcome obstacles, and most importantly, how to take action and create a life you love. Today's episode is brought to you by the 8th Annual LWSL Holiday Planner. You guys, this is our most popular freebie of the entire year, and so you've got to grab it now. It's such a great tool for helping you to enjoy a holiday season filled with a whole lot more joy and a whole lot less stress. And the very best part of all, it is completely and totally free. Just our little way of saying happy holidays. It's available now, but only for a limited time. So grab yours at livingwellspendingless.com slash holiday planner. Once again, you can get it at livingwellspendingless.com slash holiday planner. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. As always, my name is Ruth Sukup, and I am the founder of Living Well Spending Less and the Living Well Planner, as well as the founder of Elite Blog Academy and the New York Times bestselling author of five, soon to be six books. In today's episode, we are going to be talking to my incredible friend, Laura Belgray, founder of TalkingTrip.com, who also happens to be an amazing copywriter, writing coach, and the co-creator of The Copy Cure with Marie Forleo. So Laura is literally one of the funniest and most down-to-earth people I know. She makes everything funny. And today she is going to share the story of how she got to where she is now. But I just got to warn you that for this episode, we take a lot of detours to talk about a lot of 90s pop culture along the way. So be ready for that. But in all seriousness, I really think that Laura's journey offers so much hope to anyone who feels like they haven't quite figured out where they want to go in their life just yet. And ultimately, that's what this podcast is all about. It's about taking the steps that will help us get unstuck so that we can create a life we love. Because in the end, courage doesn't mean that we are never afraid. Instead, courage is being scared, but taking action anyway, despite our fear. It's putting one foot in front of the other, even when we're not quite sure where that path is going to lead. Okay, so just a couple more quick things before we dive into today's episode. First, you can download our Do It Scared Manifesto to remind yourself to start living your own life of courage right now. You can get it by texting Do It Scared to 44222, or you can get all the show notes for this episode by visiting doitscared.com slash episode 26. Once again, either text Do It Scared, all one word, to 44222, or get the download and all the show notes at doitscared.com slash episode 26. Also, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. And while you are there, be sure to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. All right. Without further ado, I am so happy to introduce you today to my friend, Laura Belgray. 
Laura, my friend, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm not at all scared. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little. Well, that's what we're all about. So are you really? Are you really no. Scared? I'm, you know what? I get a little nervous, a little bit of nervous adrenaline before any podcast interview. Oh, I get that. I do too, though, actually, when I go on other things. And then you kind of loosen up, and it gets fine, and it'll be good. Yeah, exactly. We're good. friends. We're friends. So there's no, there's no rapid fire quizzing here. Right. <laughs> so for people who don't know you, and now starts the rapid fire quizzing. Um, <laughs> so for people who don't know you, can you just like kind of give us the rough and dirty, quick and dirty overview of um, where you've been, um, where you are, how you got to where you are, kind of the what makes you tick? Synopsis. You want the dirty version of where I've no, been? No, we, so. we are a G-rated podcast. I know. So I'm going to keep it clean. I'm going to have to edit it out. <laughs> I promise to keep it clean. Okay, so um, I'll start with where I am now, which is I have a company called Talking Shrimp, mm -hmm. and uh, it's basically a, a copywriting-based company. So I have two arms to that business. I write promos for TV, and I also help entrepreneurs put their full personality into their business, make their mm -hmm. business a 100% expression of themselves. So, that. so that's where I am. And I have a course, a copywriting course called The Copy Cure, which I co-created with Marie Forleo, who's my partner mm -hmm. in it. So that's where I am right now. And I started off in, in the dark ages in magazines. Um, but yeah, I, I was... <laughs> I was an intern at a place called Spy Magazine in New York City, which was like the hot publication at the time. No it kidding. Was, yeah. Um, it, like it was, well, it was super hot in the, in the 80s. And I started <laughs> in the early 90s when it was during its demise. Post-hot. Yes, post-hot. But I felt very hot being there. Like they still had great parties and mm. got us into cool places. And um I didn't do very much with that internship. In fact, the, the managing editor took me and, and another intern out to lunch who was equally lazy, lazy and complacent. And she said to us, <laughs> gently suggested to us, she said, you know, you can take initiative here. <laughs> it's like, huh, food for thought. Um, so I didn't really didn't pitch anything. Did not so it had a huge there. impact on it you. Huge impact on me. But somehow, um, by some, some miracle mercy, uh, the advertising side hired me when my internship was up because they just liked me. And we were all on one floor. It was a small place, and they, they had gotten to know me. And um, I would circulate every day. I made it my job to just hang out and talk to people and go get more Diet Cokes from the vending machine. <laughs> my whole job. So they hired me, and that's where I did my first bit of copywriting. They hired me to do an advertorial for, uh, for doers. And if your audience doesn't know what advertorials are, those are basically, if you're looking through a magazine and you see something, you're like, ooh, this, this looks good. And then you see, an, it looks like a part of the magazine. And then in tiny print at the top, it says advertisement. Mm. Um, that's an advertorial. It is advertising that looks like part of the magazine. Mm. So they hired me to do one for doers. That was just a funny thing like, 
it was a quiz that said, it was a personality quiz that said, do you party like your uncle Marty? And it was just like <laughs> how, to test, how to test yourself to see if you're basically an old fart and needed help from doers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I didn't know what copywriting was really, but until so you had I, never, you had never thought about doing copywriting before that point. You had never, it was not even, really, not even well, on your radar. What did you, you know, go to school for? Well, I went to, I, I went to school for liberal arts, got an English mm -hmm. degree. Um, and I had no idea what I was going to do with that. I always knew I wanted to do some kind of writing, mm -hmm. but I was afraid to be like, locked away in an attic with a typewriter, which, which was relevant then because there, there were still typewriters <laughs> when I was in college. Uh, I didn't switch. I really am. I switched to computer in like my sophomore year. So, um, but yeah, I pictured myself e either locked away in an attic, like writing terrible first drafts and second drafts of, of uh, novels that no one would ever see and drinking myself into a stupor, <laughs> crumpling paper into a wastebasket. Um, or, you know, I did think about advertising. Mm. And I thought and there was a movie with, um, I forget what it's called, with Tom Hanks, um, where he is in, in advertising. And um, it looked really fun. Like he and his colleagues would throw pencils at the ceiling, at the <laughs> ceiling, see if they stuck. And it looked like fun brainstorming with people and stuff. So mm -hmm. I, so there wasn't the idea of copywriting, but I didn't really know that word or mm -hmm. what it was, but that corporate life scared me. And it, it looked like you would have to stay there really late. And that didn't appeal to me. <laughs> the lazy side. <laughs> the lazy side of me couldn't handle that. Or wearing suits. Um, oh. I didn't want to do anything. Because at that point they had shoulder pads in them. They had shoulder pads. And <laughs> In fact, I bought shoulder. I bought. I bought two suits with shoulder pads in them <laughs> to go on interviews. Uh, <laughs> I bet those would be back in style now. I think they kind of are in that <laughs> in that um, anti style normcore way. People are mm -hmm. into that. Like the kids are into that '90s look. They wear it mm -hmm. ironically. Like ironically, you know yeah. I went out with a briefcase and shoulder pads. <laughs> When I was your age, <laughs> those, yeah. And those suits did not win me any jobs. Um, and I didn't want any jobs <laughs> where I would wear a suit anyway. You know what? I, I actually, I'm really taking us off track, but I did interview. I remember being so desperate. Like I wanted a cool job in entertainment and I interviewed, someone said, Julia Roberts is looking for an assistant. And no they, way. Yeah. And so they gave, they like hooked me up with the job interview or they showed me the yeah. listing or something and I applied for it. And I went to, I went on an interview with her, I guess it was her manager. It was mm -hmm. someone who was very big. I think her name, I think it might be Liz Rosenberg, someone mm -hmm. with a very big name. She might also be Madonna's manager or something like that. Oh, wow. Or agent. She's just a big mocker mm -hmm. in that world. And she interviewed me and she said, um, well, for one thing, uh, Julia needs to be driven around. Can you drive? And I said, no, but I can, I can learn, I'm sure. I'd already failed the driver's test like twice. And she said, she said, this is very detail-oriented, and you have to anticipate someone's need. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds cool. Meanwhile, that's like the last thing I could ever do. And then her final question to me, I think, was, why, like, what about this job appeals to you? Why would you want to be Julia Roberts' assistant? And I was like, well, I don't know. Who wouldn't want to be? What's not to like? 
Sounds cool. I did not get that job. Wow, I can't imagine. No, me neither. Julia Roberts really lost out on a job. Maybe it was an assistant. It might have been the suit. I. It might have been the suit. The shoulder pads were just just shy of too big. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. Okay, so okay, back on track. So back on track, you were at the magazine. You got hired to be to work in advertising. You figured out what copywriting was. And- yes. And then I got, and then I got, I went from there after Spy shut down around me mm-hmm. um, and there were boxes everywhere. I got a job at New York Magazine, mm-hmm. which I still read and love, doing mm-hmm. their ad, I was their ad copywriter. Oh, wow. And yeah, I was just 24 and um, the person who hired me who was like my least favorite boss of all time, said to me, she's, she's like, you're, you're so young. Why should I hire you? And I was like, I don't know, because I'm good. And <laughs> she, she hired me and I think regretted it pretty quickly because I was just an immature. <laughs> I, I was as immature as she had feared. I went to work. I mean, it was a corporate office and I went to work wearing little midriff baby tees. <laughs> Because uh, <laughs> that was the early '90s. Those yeah. were in. those they were in. in. You could wear it by itself, that. or you could wear it under a spaghetti strap dress. Oh yes, the little baby doll dresses. Oh, that, like, yeah. just like they wore on nine hundred two one zero. Exactly. <laughs> I was just like Kelly and Brenda. Yes. And, and at that, I mean, and Donna Martin. That trend was a godsend to anyone who needs a bra. By the way. Oh. I think yeah. it should come back. It was really a godsend. I think that, I feel like that is coming back. Again, the ironic I, 90s look. I ro- see, I can't <laughs> rock the ironic 90s look because I already rocked the unironic 90s look in the 90s, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so, so New York Magazine. Yeah, New I was York there, Magazine. I was there the for, yep, all, I was there for all of six months. Oh, wow. And I remember one piece I did was like really creative and fun and I loved it. And my boss said, this is not elegant and it, it really needs to be up here. And she would like wave her hand over her head to signify up here, which really means over her head. But um, she said, maybe if this were, maybe if this were a Nickelodeon piece, but it's for New York magazine. And I remember thinking, I wish it were a Nickelodeon piece. I would love to work there. And soon enough, I was working at Nickelodeon. <laughs> writing was that in the days of you can't do that on television do you remember that it, where they would what, it was a little bit I do remember that I watched that as a kid um mm. when I stayed home I was like hallelujah there's finally something for kids to watch on tv it was a little young for me but I watched it anyway but it was in the days of Ren and Stimpy oh yeah and I was there um when they brought in when they started Spongebob Squarepants mm. I remember they premiered a 10 minute clip for us and I was like could be a hit. Uh, <laughs> mark my words. So, um, so yeah, somebody from Spy Magazine, a friend of mine from Spy Magazine, was writing promos while I was at New York Magazine. He he told me, you know, I'm, I've got this job writing promos at VH1, and I mm-hmm. said, what are promos? And he said, they're the little things. Like I watch a bunch of TV and then write those little things that aren't really the commercials, but are, are the commercials for the TV for the TV shows. Mm. And I was like, well, you watch a bunch of TV and then write little things that go on TV. I want that job. All I ever <laughs> wanted was to get paid to, to watch TV. It's- <laughs> because back to the lazy thing. 
Back to the lazy thing. It's so I feel really like that right. might be a theme in your, <laughs> in your career. It's very much a theme. It has driven everything, every decision. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So back then, I, he, he introduced me to his boss, um, mm-hmm. who was just the, the head of promos at VH1. And she hired me. Um, I didn't have any promos to show her. But I had, as a side gig, been writing on this. There was this internet startup. And it was like before anyone really understood what an internet startup was or an internet. Um, (laughs) But someone I knew from Spy had started this startup. And it had what was then then called a bulletin board. Mm. Then it became known as a forum. And now it would just be like, oh, you mean like a Facebook group? Mm-hmm. But it was a bunch of people who would go on there and have conversations in a, con- you know, written conversations in a yeah. conversation thread. So he hired me to go on there and just write about whatever, just to make it look like um, an engaged community. So I was oh, a ringer. Yeah. I was just a hired, <laughs> yeah, a, a poser. You were uh, a fake, a fake uh, what, what is that called? A, a fake engagement. A fake engagement, <laughs> right. I was like one of those Russian fake news bots. <laughs> <laughs> Before there was before there was Russian fake news, there was Laura. Before there was any fake news, I was fake news. So speaking, in your baby doll dress, in my baby doll dress with the t-shirt under it, I would write about whatever I wanted, which was usually what happened that week on nine hundred two one zero, and then that place. So I would write stuff about it all, like, comes full it all comes full circle. I would be right like, oh my God, I can't believe Dylan McKay is on drugs. I can't wait for this intervention. And, and um, I got paid for that. So what I did when I went for this interview at VH1 was printed out everything I'd written on this bulletin board. I was like, can you print this stuff out? Oh, yes, it looks like you can. So I printed it all out, handed it to her. She thought I was funny and hired me to write my first promo. Oh. And that's and how I started getting paid to watch TV. Paid to watch TV. Awesome. Yeah. And I, even, <laughs> and I even wrote some countdowns. You know, they used to have these countdown shows on VH1 and mm. MTV, like the top 20 yes. countdown. And so I would write the scripts for those for um, someone named Moon Unit Zappa, who was a big deal that she, she created the song Valley Girl. So she was a star for that. Mm. And um, yeah, so I would do all these puns about Hootie and the Blowfish and get paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> this is your time capsule. I love Hootie and the Blowfish. You are bringing me back. This what is, is high school college right there. <laughs> exactly. So that, that started my career in promos and I ended up over at Nick at Night which was the place to write promos. I was um, obsessed. I had, before I knew what promos were, I was obsessed with theirs. I'm like, they do funny things on their mm. network. And I was there for many years. They started a network called TV Land, which mm-hmm. um, I segued into. And so I was doing both Nick at Night and TV Land and was, was there for years and years and years doing this dream job. But I kind of started to feel a little restless and complacent. And I am, I'm not one to take a leap to say like, screw this. I'm feeling complacent. I need to get out of my comfort zone. Bye everybody. You're not a do it scared kind of person. I'm not, I'm not naturally. I'm trying to be more do it scared kind of person, but I didn't know what I wanted to do scared. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to do something more 
and I knew I had more to write and more to create. And um, I knew, I knew I should be writing something that was more in my voice and like stories and stuff like that. But I didn't know in what form I didn't know what to do with all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I met in like 2003, 2004, I met this chick named Marie. Mm-hmm. She was in my hip hop class at Crunch, and I couldn't stand her. Um, she was she was this she was the girl she was the girl in the front with this bouncy ponytail, the most rockin' body you've ever seen, like big boobs, flat stomach, tiny butt, tight all over, and she just nailed every single move, and like. Always they would split up the class and they'd be like, and so we could watch the other half of the class and be like, there goes that Marie. Um, <laughs> boom, cat, boom, cat. She hits everything perfectly. <laughs> she just drove me crazy with her peppy attitude. And, and, this and, then, and then one day- I would have been the girl in the background judging her with you. Yes. Oh, thank you. I wish you'd been there with me. <laughs> and then you would have been disappointed with me to find out that she was really nice. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I started talking to her one day and she was so sweet and friendly and interested in me. And I was like, oh man, now I have to like her. And that's, uh, no, that's really the thing, isn't it? Like when mm-hmm. people are not, nothing like you expect their, them to be. And then all of a sudden you're like, crap, like I have to change all my judgments and preconceptions. Completely. <laughs> it's so stressful. It is stressful. I was like, I was it's really stressful. enjoying like bashing this person in the head. <laughs> Now, now I have to like them, which is a lot less interesting, but we, <laughs> my judgment, <laughs> my judgment. But we became, we became friends and I, she was a bartender and I really liked her energy. And I mm-hmm. suggest, I said, are you looking for more bartending gigs? And she said, yeah, always. Um, she's a real hustler. And so I recommended her to my husband who was opening a restaurant in Midtown, this like fancy kind of power oh, lunch wow. place. And he gave her a job there. And so she was like, had two bartending shifts and she was also doing this thing called life coaching, which I didn't really understand. And she started teaching hip hop. And so I started going to her class mm. every day. I was like her, her biggest fan. And then we would walk home together from class and talk. And um, in, her, in the beginning of her class, she would always give a little speech to the class. Like before she started the choreography, she'd say, I have a newsletter it's called Magical Moments. If you'd like to sign up for it, yeah, Magical Moments. If you'd like to sign up for it, I have, I'll pass around this yellow pad. And she had people opt in on this yellow pad oh, for her list. So, so um, what I haven't revealed that you know that your audience doesn't know is this is, was Marie Forleo, mm-hmm. who is now my partner in the Copy Cure and is one of the biggest forces in the online marketing space. Mm-hmm. Um, she, is, she is a juggernaut. She is a powerhouse. She's and amazing. she's amazing and an incredible person. And to apparently know. a very good hip hop dancer as well. An unbelievable <laughs> hip hop dancer. I mean, she went on to be a Nike athlete and oh, wow. like traveled to all, all around the world. She went to Dubai to, to teach and perform for Nike. And so, oh, wow. Yeah, she's pretty good at everything, and <laughs> know where you'd hate her too. <laughs> um, so she, so this back to my rut. I was in this rut, this creative rut, and didn't really know what I was doing. And I had gotten married, um, and like I, had, so all the anticipation of the wedding 
and planning of that and that project was over. And um, I'm like, well, what now? And Marie came back into my life. We had fallen out of touch. And she said, do you want to come to this thing with me? I'm like, what kind of thing? She's like, it's a Monday night workshop. Um, Just trust me, you'll like it. And I went with her and it was this weird kind of boutique-y cult uh, (laughs) that, that was about... It was about being in the moment. It was all the usual kind of mindfulness stuff, but taught mm-hmm. by this this older couple who were matching Tommy Bahama print shirts. <laughs> and um, it was it's hard to describe this cult, but we were in it for a while together and became very it was, close. It wasn't really a cult, though. Well, no, you did, <laughs> not everybody had to you know sleep with the leader or give all their money up. <laughs> To these people, but it was semi-cult. Semi, it was culty. It, it came mm-hmm. from Est. It came out of Est, and if you've ever heard of Landmark, Forum, these are big kind of self-development mm. programs and societies, um, mm-hmm. and people have very uh, different opinions on them. I'd say they're polarizing. Some people get a ton out of them, and some are like, "What a ripoff!" They try to keep you in there for life. Mm. and brainwash you Mm. so but this was my first exposure to any kind of self-help self-development mindfulness Mm. kind of stuff and it was pretty eye-opening to me and Marie and I became very close and she started doing these online programs and I jumped into one at some point because I thought I didn't understand what it was I think it was just called online mastery back then you could call it something that vague and people would join it (laughs) It was just online mastery. And even though she was my friend, it's like, should I be in your program? And she said, yes, of course you should. Hmm. And so I I joined it and she got to know my skills, my my writing skills in that, within that program, I would help people with website copy and stuff like that Hmm. in the forum. And um, around this time I was I had lost, no, I hadn't lost my contract yet. I was still working for for my biggest client, but I was starting to get other freelance clients for TV promos and I wanted to expand that. And I, I was putting up a website and um, the website was going to be called talking shrimp only because my accountant had told me to incorporate my, me and my husband to incorporate. And he's like, pick a name, pick something with a free, <laughs> with an available URL. So I randomly picked talking shrimp. And, uh, <laughs> a lot of thought went into that name. A lot of thought. I was like, <laughs> wow, I can't believe talking shrimp isn't taken. <laughs> so I was like, I'll use talking shrimp to host my reel and to my, my TV reel. That'll be where mm. TV people go to look at my stuff and hire me. Mm. And I told Marie that I was putting up a website and she said, uh, you're going to have a blog, right? And I, I was like, well, that's isn't it too late to have a blog? This was in 2009. Mm. And she was like, I was like, you know, the time to have a blog was 2006, not 2009. <laughs> and she was like, no, you moron, you have to have a blog. Like you love to write. Why wouldn't you have a blog? And everyone yeah. should have a blog. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll try having a blog on it. I don't know what I'll write about, but sure. And she said, what is your opt-in? And I said, my what in? And she's like, okay. She took out a, a yellow pad, which she loved, and 
diagram the whole thing for me. She's like, you're going to have a form and people will put in their email and you will give them something. You will give them a freebie and then they'll be on your list. And I'm like, what do I do with the list? She's like, just trust me on this. <laughs> and so this site turned into, you know, it had an opt-in. It started building a little bit of a list. I blogged on it. I would send my blog posts to my list. Um, I, Marie had me speak about copywriting at her first live event, mm. which was called Rich, Happy, and Hot Live. Nice. And yeah, that was her brand back then, Rich, Happy, and Hot. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And, um, and I spoke about copywriting. And so people started coming up to me and saying, can you help me with my website copy? Mm. Like, can I hire you to help me with my homepage? And it's like, yeah, sure. I guess. Why not? Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I'd, I'd never done that before, but I was pretty sure I could do it better than someone who was not a writer. And I, I was pretty sure I could do a good job for them. So I started saying yes. And that started building my online business, which, which is sort of accidentally fell into it. Then it sounds like I accidentally fell into it. I didn't know it existed. Um, there's still really no name for this weird online entrepreneur world. There's not really, is there? No, people call it, you know, digital marketing or online marketing, but it's not that. It's just people who are, uh, there are people from all walks of life and all different businesses who somehow congregate in. Figure out a way to turn it into a business. I know it's like, it's like the wild west almost. It is. It still is. People think it's too late to get in, but it is still so the Wild West. It is definitely the Wild West. It's like the Wild West in the 1880s instead of the 1860s. Right. Oh, man, I should have gotten in in the 1860s. That's when the gold was there. You know. Yeah. No, you're still good. Yeah. You're still, still good. Still a good time to get in. Okay. So I love, I love that story. Um, but you, you're, so now you're known for being this amazing copywriter and you, you truly are like amazing. Every time I get an email from you, I literally will stop whatever I'm doing. And I don't even look at most emails, but I will open your email and I will read your email. Even though when I know it's like a sales email and you're trying to sell me something that I'm not going to buy, I'm like, I still want to read the email because they're just so good. So what do you think has made you like have this gift for writing and to just be able to, to, to write in such an authentic way that people actually love to read it. How, like, what are, I know you coach people too. So what are your best tips for that? Oh, thank you so much. I'm smiling so hard when you say that right now. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I would say what allows me to do it that way is I've, I've ignored all the advice out there that you must, that your emails and that your newsletter has to be a newsletter or that it has to deliver, always deliver actionable tips. Mm. Now, that's how people des- define value. They say you must, mm. you know, you've got to provide value, deliver tons of value, deliver value bombs. Mm. And they define that as actionable takeaways. And I don't think that it always has to be like that. Mm. I don't think people always have to feel like they are learning something that they can right then apply to their business or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, run off and I'm going to run off and tweak my opt-in based on your, on your latest newsletter. I don't think it always has to be that way. I think that value can come in the form of being entertaining, 
giving people something to think about, showing them a new way of looking at something just, just mm-hmm. based on a story mm-hmm. um, and just being yourself and, or just, just giving someone a moment of, Oh my God, I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm not the only one who thinks that. Yep. So that's the kind of thing that I try to put into my emails, whether I'm selling something or not. Mm-hmm. It's, I always feel like, what would I write to my best friend mm. right now? You know, maybe it's just, if I have nothing to say, maybe I just st- kind of start it that way and talk about the day that I've been having or the mm-hmm. kind of week that I've been having or catching up with somebody I haven't talked to in a while. Mm. So I, I always get in that frame of mind. I call it an e-fab, a, an email from a bestie. Ah, yeah, I like it, and that's exactly how it feels when I'm when I'm reading them. I'm so glad I tr- that's on purpose. I'm glad it works. <laughs> I gotta read this. Yeah. So, how do you think that you've used this, you know, this writing ability as you've kind of grown into grown into your own and created your own business and created this, crafted this life for yourself that was maybe unexpected, but it's definitely, I think you've become more and more intentional as the time has gone on. Maybe it's been Marie's influence on you (laughs) or maybe just, you know, like this, like becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own online business, whether accidental or not. What do you think it takes to write your own story just as, as a person? Does that question make sense? It does make sense. Um, to, you mean, in, in other words, you mean to create your own narrative, to, create your, yes. to write your journey, yes. basically, because yeah. we're talking about two kinds of writing right now. I, I have become more deliberate because at first I was really just like throwing spaghetti at the wall, just writing random things. And that did help. It did help shape my brand. It helped, it helped give like the super fans something to hang on to and um, let them really feel like they knew me. Sorry. Um, but I would say as time went on, I, I realized, okay, this has to have a little bit more of, I think people want to feel, even if it's not an actionable takeaway, they want to feel like they are getting something, like mm-hmm. food for thought. Um, so I have, I've become more deliberate about combining story and just like, what's up and mm. non sequiturs with something that they can click on or do or think about. Mm. And um, I think that that's helped a lot. And I think being more visible and guest posting and getting my message out to, to people who don't know me yet mm-hmm. has helped shape my business. It's, I, I think being findable is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a, a great way of, I think, crafting what you're about. I think you mm-hmm. find it. You find it by constantly putting different messages out there and you see what resonates. You see what sticks with people. You mm-hmm. see what people repeat back to you or what they repost. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I guess that's my thing. Mm-hmm. So sometimes other people help you, help you find it. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel like you have to have it. I mean, clearly you haven't had your whole path all figured out this whole time. You've just kind of, there's been a lot of trying new things and seeing what sticks and figuring it out as you go along. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, I always forget which author said this. It might've been Hemingway, but I think it probably wasn't. Maybe it was someone just like John Grisham, but they said that, <laughs> that writing. They're really deep or not. Yeah, exactly. Or like airport. <laughs> you know, reading, they, they said that um, writing a novel 
is like seeing like you only it's like driving in the dark in the night and seeing just as far in front of you as your headlights go. Mm. And I think that for me, business has been that way. I've never had a big picture. Like, here's where I want to go. Here is the message I want to bring to the world. Here's the way I want to change the world. Or here's my goal for um, 2022. I don't think that way. I wish I did, Mm -hmm. but I really don't. It's really for me about like, what do I see right in front of me? How far do the headlights shine? And that's, that's about as much as I know. And then taking that next, that next step or just going, just going to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. And then, and and surrounding myself with people like you who do have big, (laughs) who have big picture vision. And so I can see what you're doing. Like you're an example for me of what's possible. And then I can say, oh, there's something I could do. Like you have your do it scared. Yeah. When you said, right. When you, when you told us that idea, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I want. I not, not that I'm going to copy, do it scared. Don't worry. Um, I know it's already registered <laughs> trademark. Not worried. <laughs> I didn't think you were, you got your lawyers on it. But that big idea thing that like three word mm. doesn't have to be three words, but that, what a great, what a gift to have like a three mm. word idea that people instantly know that it gives connect to, right? connect to. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that I would like to find. That's what I'm trying to find right now. And that's what you're working on. That's what I'm working on. And it's going to be amazing when you come, when it comes. Thank I you. know it is. So we're in a mass, we're in a mastermind together yeah. and um, I am doing an episode or I think when, by the time this airs, I will have aired an episode on talking about that and accountability and how important it is to have, have those kind of people in, in your life that will, will speak truth to you. And I call it forming your truth club. You have to form your mm-hmm. truth club and have those people in your life that will. And so you're part of my truth club, obviously. Yeah. And, um, but having those people that will just pour into you and know you, like know you will, but will also call you out and say, no, that's stupid. Don't do that. Or yes, you should do that. And kind of part, partially encouraging, partially tough love. And it sounds like that's been really, really important in your business um, kind of all yeah. along, right? Yeah, 100%. And especially within our, like our newly formed little mastermind, it is, it's me and three people, you, Susie and Greg, who will say, what are you so afraid of? Mm. If I'm scared about something or if I'm, if I'm holding back, like what's the worst that could happen? Get over yeah. it. Like, here's why. Okay, let's like a picture worst case scenarios. All right, well, that's silly. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. Or if it does happen, you'll live. So screw it and do it. And it's amazing how those little, those little tiny things that seem so big in our head, as soon as you start to talk to somebody about it, somebody that you trust, and you all of a sudden you're like, oh, I guess that's not, I'm not crazy, eh? this isn't as big of a deal as I've been making it out to be. It makes a huge, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it does. And also, also to be friends with people who, or, or have exposure to people who are scared of the same things that you are mm-hmm. and who you thought, because when somebody's not scared, it's hard to look at them. If you are scared in that way, it's hard to look at them as a model and say like, well, she can do it. I can do it. But for instance, to talk to you and hear you say, well, I'm like, I've always been terrified of public speaking mm. to know like, okay, she can deal with that fear and get over it. Me too. Mm-hmm. It's true. And not everybody's willing to be 
authentic or vulnerable, I think in that way. And so we always have this picture when we're looking on at, from the outside in at people who are successful or people who seem like they have it all together and we're seeing not a complete picture, but it feels complete. Yeah. And then it makes us feel inadequate about ourselves. But then when you can have these people who get, let you see the full picture and you still think they're amazing and yet you go, Oh, they don't have all their, their stuff right. together. They, they're not completely perfect in every single way. So it's like, it's almost, it's a huge comfort. I think. Yeah, that's what's inspiring to me. That's why I like so much sharing um, how lazy I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're inspiring people right now. People who have been listening to this podcast, think about that, who have been like, oh, I'm pretty lazy. I'm pretty lazy. I, all these people I'm listening to are, are too driven. I'm not like that. I don't set big goals. I don't want to do all this stuff. Like that, it doesn't have, there's not one path. There's never one path. So you can, there's all, all sorts of different things that you can do. Um, wow. So on that note, what, what do you think, like, well, first of all, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received as you've gone through this journey and why? Okay. So <clears throat> there are two pieces of advice. Um, one I already mentioned was Marie Forleo saying to me, what's your opt-in? You've got to have a list. <laughs> Mm. And I didn't understand why then. And I hadn't understood why for many years until recently, uh, the power, like the power of the list, it didn't hit me mm. until, until I started really actually selling things to my mm. list and saying, Oh my gosh, this is really a numbers thing. Like I, it's so exciting when you say, Hey, I've got this thing. If you want to buy it, like I created this thing for you. Do you want it? Mm -hmm. And to see people actually clicking on that link and buying the thing and sales coming in, it's the most amazing feeling because like, wow. they know you and they like you and they trust you because they're reading. They're like me. They're opening every email and going, Oh, I can't wait to see what this girl has to say. Oh, she says this is good. I'll buy that. Exactly. So the, the list is like what is what creates all that that no like and trust factor. Mm -hmm. People actually get to know me and feel like they feel almost like they know me in person mm -hmm. because they're reading these emails. And that is what gets them to buy. And I thought recently, it's like, wow, what if I'd really been working on building this list all these years instead of being like, oh, great, I got another 10 people. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I don't really need to think about more. Um, it's really like tw if I had twice as big a list, maybe twice as many people would be buying it and feeling that way and feeling that connected. So um, building a list, I would say building a list, even if you don't know what it's for, that's uh, a really important thing. I think anybody who's in business should mm -hmm. be focused on that. And the other piece of advice is writing advice, which is um, about using specifics. Mm -hmm. So I had, I had this creative writing teacher, I think it was a memoir teacher at the new school who um, I took a few years ago, maybe like 10 years ago. And she said to us, we met for lunch is not nearly as interesting as we met up for tuna sandwiches. Oh. And I've never forgotten that. And so now I make every effort wherever I can and wherever it's relevant to include the concrete details mm. rather than leaving things be vague. I always make sure that what I'm writing is something that you can picture in your head. Mm. 
That so, is good advice. Yeah. And it, it's what makes writing come alive. Mm-hmm. It's, what, it's what keeps eyes glued to the page is those concrete details. You find yourself reading and you'll be like, where is this losing my interest? And where is it mm-hmm. keeping my eyes glued to the page? You'll find that it's the concrete details, the things that you can picture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the soggy newspaper on the floor. I don't have a soggy newspaper on the floor. I don't know why I just thought of that, but you know. Um, but I can but, picture it in my mind. Yeah. Everybody who's listening right now is picturing that soggy newspaper. Exactly. <laughs> like the person tripping on the street in the pothole and, and turning around to look at the, to look at what just tripped them up. Mm. Like things that you can picture. Those are, those are what make the writing come to life and mm. what brings okay. out you and makes it original. So good. So what are you working on right now that has you super fired up? Well, one thing is my book, which we've mm-hmm. talked about. I'm super fired up about it. I don't spend nearly as much time on it as I'd like to or need to, but I'm writing a book that has nothing really to do with business. It's just about life. It's kind of um, memoirish essays, mostly about growing up in New York, being a dork in New York. <laughs> and yeah, I would say it's a coming of age uh, essay collection and, and will no doubt be hilarious because you. you are hilarious. Thank you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, that day when it's like a book in your hands that you can. So when will, when will that day be? I don't Do I need know. to give you a deadline right now? Yeah, I think you need to give, I think you need to give me a deadline for my first draft because <laughs> nobody has yet. Oh, okay. Deadline for your first draft. Uh huh. Hmm. I'm going to say, when are we getting together in October? We're getting together in October. Yeah, October. Mastermind. I'm going to say by October, you need to have a first draft in your hand. Okay. That's scary and totally fair. Okay. I, when I started talking about my, I started doing this, like really working on this for real last August. Mm-hmm. And that's around the time I became friends with Susie Moore, one of our, mm-hmm. one of our yeah, quartet. And she was in like, I'd say by November or so saying to me, Laura, please don't let me be hearing about this book a year from now about you (laughs) writing it. I want to hear about the book party then, but do not bore me by still talking about needing to write your book. I love that she was talking about the party already. (laughs) Yes. Oh, in her mind, it's always already a book party where she can get her Proseccos. (laughs) <laughs> that is so true. Okay, well then that's good because that will give you almost a year from from when you met Susie that you Yeah. So I can stop boring yes. her. So you can stop boring her and everybody. <laughs> no, cuz we want to read it cuz it's going to be amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So that's what I'm most fired up about, but I'm also just fired about uh, fired up about where my business is going. Like really mm-hmm. continuing to write emails to people and help more people to express themselves and really express their personality and be more, be more out there. I like to say Mm -hmm. out there, both in the sense of being unique as in like, wow, she's out there Mm -hmm. and being visible, putting Mm -hmm. yourself out there. I love that. That might be your catchphrase out there. Be out there. Be out there. It might be. Maybe that's my do it scared. It could be be out there. It works on multiple levels. It does. Maybe we just... Wow, this was like a huge brainstorm moment right here. You guys heard it here first. You did. I think I owe you some money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, coming on the podcast is uh, payment enough. 
<laughs> for me too. <laughs> All right. So wrapping up here, where can people find you? How do they get subscribed to your email newsletter? Because obviously everybody needs to be on your email newsletter. It's amazing. Thank you. Okay. Totally great. So you can go to talkingshrimp.com, which is just like it sounds talking shrimp, <laughs> no hyphen in between. Um, and, but you know what, in the off chance that, because I, I have a pop-up slash welcome mat thing that happens when you go to my homepage. But if you don't see that, go to talkingshrimp.com slash sign up, all one word, S-I-G-N-U-P. And you will find a way to just get onto my list and get my emails. Okay. Perfect. And we will add all this information in your links, all your links to all your places um, on our show notes as well. But that's perfect. I mean, I didn't need to spell a thing. I'll just find <laughs> it on there. Well, it's always good to spell. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was so fun to talk to you. You crack me up every single time and I just love what you're doing and love always, as always, talking with you. So thank Back you. Back at you. This was so mm -hmm. much fun. Thank you. Okay, so don't forget that if you would like to grab our Do It Scared Manifesto or to get the show notes for this episode, you can find it all at doitscared.com slash episode 26, or you can text Do It Scared to 44222 right now. Once again, get all the show notes at doitscared.com slash episode 26, or get our manifesto by texting Do It Scared to 44222 on your phone right now. And then before we go, I just want to say, as always, that I love, 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 love hearing from you guys. So if you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics that you would like to see addressed on the Do It Scared podcast, please feel free to reach out via email by filling out our form at doitscared.com. And that about does it for this episode of the Do It Scared podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you liked what you heard, once again, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes. And then you can go share a screenshot of your review at doitscared.com for a chance to win our amazing Do It Scared t-shirts and mugs. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to via iTunes to be notified of new episodes. And speaking of upcoming episodes, be sure to join me next week as we talk about the one and only true secret to success. And the only thing that separates the people who are out there killing it in life and those who are standing still. I guarantee it's not what you think, but embracing this one single thing will get you further than you ever thought possible. I will catch you then.